You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Every day, around 10,000 babies are born in the U.S., and about a third of them are born via cesarean section. C-section. Now this rate has gone up significantly over time and many in the scientific community believe that that's really higher than it's necessary. Today on Wellness for Life, we have Dr. Stuart Fishbein. He's been an obstetrics and gynecology physician since 1986 and has a long history of supporting holistic births, midwifery, and the alternative to the medical model of childbirth. His lifetime goal is to teach, speak, and write about the normalcy of birth choices the ethics of respecting a woman's autonomy in decision-making, as well as of reasonable evidence-supported options of selected VBAC, which is vaginal birth after cesarean, breach, and twin vaginal births. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Stu. Well, thank you, Dr. Suzanne. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, you know, how did you get interested in the holistic approach to pregnancy and childbirth? I finished my residency, like every other OBGYN resident, coming out thinking that the medical model that I'd learned was the best, the, the best thing that there is. And, I, and uh, thinking that, that pregnancy was a disease and that it needs to be treated and that it, around every corner lurks some danger. And that's the model by which almost all residents are trained in the United States and probably in other Western countries as well. And when I came out, it was a different era back then and I was trying to build a practice and I was approached by some local midwives here on the west side of Los Angeles and asked to be their transport physician or to take their backups. And I said, sure. And I didn't say sure because I thought midwifery was a good idea. I said, sure, because I was looking to make money, <laughs> okay? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're building a practice from scratch. It's not like you come out now and get a salary from Kaiser and, and work a shift. It, you know, you were building a practice. And so I began to take their uh, patients and I take, took their transports. And I realized these patients weren't critically ill when they came in and they were actually quite intelligent and the midwives had a lot to offer and I began to just sitting around spending time talking to the midwives began to pick up things that I never knew and that I was never taught and ultimately learned that about 85% of what I knew didn't apply to normal healthy pregnant women and so I had to unlearn a lot of stuff and um, pick up a new way of doing things and of course what happens when you pick up a new way of doing things is you sort of alienate the medical model people, the administration, the anesthesiologists, the pediatricians, because now you're doing things the way midwives do things, um, allowing women to labor without an IV or without being monitored or allowing them to eat or move around. How novel is that? I mean, how how creative. Um, And yet Mm. that's frowned upon by many of the people in academia. And so um, over time it became, uh, you know, untenable to remain in the hospital setting because I wanted to allow women to have a breech birth or, or a twin birth or a VBAC birth. And I wanted to allow them to do it as nature intended, which is to be safe, quiet, and unobserved. And that's just not possible in the medical model. Well, and gosh, I you know, so that, that's the summary, right? You've been a maverick for many, what, 34 years. That's amazing. <laughs> but what I'd like to know. Is that a good thing? What, <laughs> Yeah, it is a good thing, absolutely, because I believe so. More and more people are ser- searching for holistic and natural birthing. But I'd like to know um, what your feelings are about the main difference between holistic births and the traditional births in the hospital. What is truly the main difference? Well, a natural birth or holistic birth uh, understands what mammalian birth is all about. 
And I mentioned briefly that it's supposed to be quiet, safe, and unobserved. And if, you know, if you interrupt what mammals are doing in nature, um, they put out adrenaline and they stop contracting and their labor becomes dysfunctional and they get up and they run away. And that's nature's design because it wouldn't serve a mammal well to be giving birth while there's a predator that's approaching. And what we do is we do not respect the mammalian model of birth and we've altered it to the point where we went from having a 5% C-section rate, you know, and 99% of people delivering at home in the early part of the 20th century to a 30 plus percent C-section rate and, you know, 99% of people delivering in the hospital. And, and, we, and we haven't had better statistics to show for it. I mean, the rate of cerebral palsy, the rate of neonatal death has not changed significantly despite a 500% increase in the cesarean section rate. And it's, the difference is, is that medical model looks at pregnancy as a illness that needs to be treated, and the midwifery model looks at it as a normal function that occasionally goes awry. But mm. it's like breathing or digestion. It's a, it's a normal function of a woman's body. And why are we messing with it all the time? Why? Why? That's the question. And when you start to mess with it, every time you do something to interfere with Mother Nature, there is a ripple effect downstream. Something will be altered. It's, 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 a, it's a given. Right. Now, you know, how about you t mentioned about uh, the birth, I mean, I, I, you know, when there's any statistic issues with neonatal deaths, but how about maternal deaths? Are there any differences in that? Well, it's hard to compare because you're, you know, generally home birth, especially with midwives, they're cherry picking their clients, right? They're not, they're not dealing with women who have significant medical problems, somebody with, you know, uh, congenital heart disease or, you know, uh, severe hypertension or type one diabetes or so the, the women that are at higher risk of maternal mortality, which of course is also from cesarean section as well. Um, those, you know, it, so we, it's, it's really apples and oranges. Um, but the idea that a normal uh, woman who's healthy, who goes into labor is, is there's a significant risk for maternal mortality in, in either location is wrong. It's, it's uh, maternal mortality is very small, especially in Western countries, even, even in the, even in the hospital setting, uh, mm. it's, it's, it's a small number. So to focus on that, is, I think is wrong because, you know, then you're focusing on the, on the one tenth of one tenth of 1% rather than, than, than the good things that come along with the idea of a holistic birth. Do you uh, treat the patient differently, meaning like prenatal care? When the, the woman comes to you, the pregnant mom, uh, what is the difference? Is there any differences in the prenatal care up to the birthing process? Yeah, there's a significant difference in the prenatal care. In the midwifery model of care, Prenatal visits um, generally run around the same frequency as they do in, o in the OB model, you know, about every four weeks or so. But we're not rigid about it. But about every four weeks or so until 28 weeks, and then every two weeks till 36 weeks, and then weekly. That's a pretty standard thing. But again, nobody really knows where that came from. I'm not sure exactly why we do that. It's just something that's been done that way for a really long time, and so people just keep doing it. But the prenatal visits in the midwifery model generally are about an hour long. And in an hour, wow. you can cover things like nutrition and sleep and stress reduction and relationships and answer questions. And you get to know people and developing a confident uh, um, shared relationship with shared decision-making when you have time to go through issues. Like we don't hand somebody a bottle of sugar water at 28 weeks and say, here, drink this, we're going to draw your sugar. 
all right, we, we, we give them options about diabetes screening and why it's, why it's a good thing and why we do it or why we don't do it. And here's the different choices if you want to do it. And here's the things if you don't want to do it. And this takes time. And in the medical model, there just isn't time. They have to do volume in order to make a living. It's, I mean, Suzanne, Dr. Suzanne, the whole system is not set up to deal with the individual woman. It's really mm. set up for, for um, like assembly line um, algorithmic practices where everyone gets the same sort of treatment and everybody, and when people get out of line, there's just no time to deal with it in that system because even the reimbursement is backwards. I mean, hospitals are paid more for cesarean section than they are for a vaginal delivery. And you know, a vaginal delivery takes much more time and skill than a cesarean section does. And if, sure. and if, if hospitals got paid more for a vaginal delivery than cesarean, you'd probably see a sudden drop in the cesarean rate. Right? And if doctors got paid more for obstetrical care, they could spend more time with each individual woman during her prenatal visits. But the average woman, you know, she's probably nodding her head right now saying, yeah, I get about six or seven minutes with my OB if I'm lucky, and that's it. Whereas with a midwife, you're going to get 45 minutes to an hour. Right. That's such a great point. Do you recommend uh, your patients to also still go into uh, all of the genetic testing? Oh, Sure. Yeah, we, I mean, the midwifery model doesn't cut corners on informed consent. So we offer all the same tests and options that you get in obstetrical. There's ultrasound, there's genetic testing, there's, we, uh, you know, a lot of our, our clients refuse vaccines, but we do talk about the ACOG recommendation for flu and Tdap shots. You know, um, we talk about, yeah, I mean, we, we go through all the usual testing things, the, you know, post-dates testing, the diabetes screen, the cultures, all those sorts of things, same sort of things. But we don't just say we're going to do a, G, a group B strep culture today. We, we tell them, here's the pros and cons of doing a culture. Here's the pros and cons of, of not doing a culture. Here's what we would do if it's positive. Here's what we do if it's negative. Here are your choices. What would you like to do? Right. That's right. And, and what I'm hearing is, of course, I mean, you've been a long time outspoken advocate for women's rights uh, to inform consent. And that's what you're doing. You're giving them information and making the patient decide what do they want. It's really, they're the ones that makes the last, uh, um, the decision is up to the mother. Yeah, there's not just one way of doing things. And, and unfortunately, in many practices, there's, there's only one way. And if you deviate from that one way, then you um, are causing trouble. And you're often labeled in certain HMO systems, you're labeled as a non-compliant patient because you, mm. you know, you're refusing to give your baby hepatitis B shot, all right, or you're refusing vitamin K, or you're refusing this, or you're refusing to be induced at 39 weeks. You don't want to be induced. You want to wait. You you want a VBAC, and you're and, and they think you shouldn't have one, so you're non-compliant, and it's it it it's just it's not a very good system for honoring the idea of of giving informed consent and then allowing autonomy and decision-making because ultimately when you allow autonomy and decision-making, even when something doesn't go as well as you'd like, the, the, the family feels like, well, yeah, but this was our decision. All right. We weren't railroaded. We weren't coerced. We weren't um, uh, skewed down a path to choose what you wanted us to choose. We were given information. We made this choice. Yeah, we probably should have given the baby antibiotics, and now the baby's in the NICU, but, but, but we didn't. That was our choice. And there's bar, far less liability in that system, um, and there's far more, uh, you know, um, just, uh, just relationships. I mean, you, you, you develop, you become 
you know, I don't want to use the word friends, but you become um, really, I mean, I watch midwives with them. You be, midwives have this saying that you're a midwife for life. So a midwife mm. that becomes, uh, takes care of you and delivers your children, you know, that, that, that relationship never ends. 10, 15 years later, they'll be calling about their daughter's first period and they'll call their midwife because they have a relationship with that person. It's really, it's right. really a, a great model of care. And the satisfaction for midwives don't going to get rich. And we don't, we don't get rich doing this model, but we really enjoy what we do. And I, even though the hours sometimes are, are can I say suck on your, um, on your podcast? <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. even, though the hour, even though the hours suck, all right, the satisfaction is really good. And I can be honest with you, um, when I was practicing in the hospital setting, there was a lot of drudgery on labor and delivery, and there were not a lot of happy obstetricians. Mm, makes sense. Absolutely. People, can, people I mean, can think about that themselves and see if that's true for them or not. Right, right. Well, it sounds to me that you really do enjoy your, the way you're servicing. And more and more, I, I do know that more and more women and families, uh, couples are, are choosing to go natural, choosing. And I, I think that there's, there's not enough of you, in fact. Dr. Stu, there's not enough doctors that take your approach, that take your philosophy, that are interested in the health and wellness of both uh, mother and baby. And, and I'm hoping there's more and more doctors that will start to learn from you. Do you, t do you teach OBGYNs your work? No, I teach midwives. OBGYNs are not prepared for this. The model by which they're taught doesn't allow for these sorts of things. And that's a shame because to me, to call yourself an obstetrician and not know how to do a breech delivery or not know how to put forceps on, you can call yourself whatever you want, but by my definition, you're not really an obstetrician. And, and I think that the curiosity of the medical students is great. I think it gets beaten out of them in residency. And I think they get trained by medical, maternal fetal medicine specialists who are medically oriented. And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, a C-section is just a, is just an easy way out. And look, there, there are many ways to do something. I mean, people cherry pick their data. And this is a problem we have, even if you look at the uh, whole coronavirus thing now and people, there, there's good, there, there are people that say, follow the science and they say, okay, you must wear a mask and you must be locked down. But there are other scientists who say masks don't work and you don't need to be locked down, like the Barrington Declaration and those people. So, why do we choose to pick one group of scientists and trust them and ignore the other scientists? And the same thing in my profession. I mean, it, there's, it, I, the answer to that is essentially cognitive dissonance and, and confirmation bias, but, or there's some ideology behind it. But in my profession, American College OBGYN supports breach delivery, all right? Yet academia is not teaching it anymore. All right. Now, Why is that? what you're saying is uh, teaching them with your breach. Let's let's talk about breach. Breach delivery basically means the child's head is not uh, down. It's not the one that's coming out first. first. It's actually the butt's butt first. first. Yeah. And so then, when you do deliver, you don't change. You don't. Do you ever move the baby's uh, uh, position, or do you just breach? Uh, do you deliver it with the butt first? Well, for women who have very little choices, there is something called an external version where. You can try at 37, 38, 39 weeks. You can try to turn the baby. You know, it's an uncomfortable procedure, and it works um, depending on your uh, parity, which is how many ch kids you've had before and how much fluid you have. It, it may work a certain percentage of the time, and sometimes it's got a very low success rate. But it's uncomfortable. Um, in my practice, if that's the only choice they have or it's an economic decision, 
we try to turn the baby. But ultimately, uh, uh, breech babies, if you know what you're doing and you, and you follow proper selection guidelines, the outcomes for breech babies are very similar to the outcomes of head-down babies. And a breech wow. labor will succeed or not succeed for the same reason that a head-down um, baby succeeds. And so when we have, in, in my practice, we go through the numbers and we talk about the risks. And sometimes they get into, doctors will talk about relative risk. Oh, it's twice as risky to do this birth this, birth, this way than this way. But twice as risky doesn't mean anything if you don't know what the denominator is. So you have to know what the actual risk is. And the actual risk of injury or a bad outcome from a breech birth that's properly selected is actually quite small. People would be remarkably, yeah. but, but, it, but it's, that's not what they're told when they go to the doctor's office. So we're choosing right. to, to, to follow one group of scientists and ignore another group of scientists who think differently. And if you asked a doctor who thinks breach is dangerous, if you had him take a lie detector test, he would pass. Right. And if you asked oh, wow. me to take a lie detector test saying that breach is not dangerous, I would pass. So neither one of us is lying. It's, it's sort of, well, some people are lying. I should say that. <laughs> but, but, but some people are just not taught it, and they're taught that it's dangerous, and they never look any further than their nose. I think that's the same thing for twin births. I mean, for, for twin births for twin being birth. delivered naturally, that's really unheard of. But you've, you've done it. Um, do you do a lot of twin births? Well, you know, it depends what a lot. I haven't done enough to reach statistical significance, but I am working on my, a twin paper. I published a breach paper a couple of years ago, and I'm now up to 85 um, uh, sets of twins who have been delivered at home. So, you know, that's probably more than anybody in the world. But, I mean, except for, mid I mean, there are midwives who've been doing it for 40 years who have done more. Uh, my friend Cynthia has been doing it. I'm sure Ina May has done more than me. But as far as current or OBs right now, I'm sure there's nobody that's done more. But 85 may sound like a lot to some people, not a lot to other people. But, you know, it's starting to get, you can start to see trends with 85. It, it doesn't reach statistical significance, but you can really see that these things can be done. And if they don't want to do them in the, in, the, in the home, then at least you could offer these things in the hospital. The reason I get a lot of clients is because they're not being given the option of a holistic type experience in the hospital. And they don't want that. And there are other options, but they're just not available in hospitals that are run, you know, as, as I said earlier, basically on, on an algorithmic model where risk management and administration are making the decisions, not the individual patient with her individual practitioner. Mm, 85 to me sounds so many. That's just incredible. But, and, and if at all there, there's complications, you, are you connected to a hospital that you can go ahead and continue to the birthing process? No, it doesn't work that way um, for many reasons, but I'll just say simply no. Um, when I left the hospital practice in 2010, um, first of all, I never expected that I would be doing home birthing when I started out in my life, but you know, circumstances went in a certain way, and now I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate because I'm very happy to be doing it the way I'm doing it. Um, I wouldn't want to go back and work in a hospital again, but because of malpractice considerations, insurance considerations, that sort of thing, it is, mm. it, it's not tenable economically to do both. And so, no, but we have some colleagues in the hospital who are like-minded, who, you know, they're not ready to take the leap to home birthing, but they're, all, but they're willing to, ba to back up and support uh, midwives or me, which is what I did for 25 years before I left the hospital setting. 
Right. Now, where is your practice? How can we learn more about you and your work? And I understand you even have a podcast, which is amazing. So can you share with us what you kind of, do you have a website and uh, is your practice in Southern California still? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I practice in Southern California. I I also have a license in Utah, but, but um, I, you know, I've done a couple of births in Utah for as just sort of a coincidence, but I'm in Southern California, but I, but I do practice all over Southern California. So I've done uh, births like breaches and twins all the way from San Luis Obispo down to the Mexican border. Um, I prefer to not have to drive so much, but there are so few choices down here. People can find me through my website, which is birthinginstincts.com. And uh, my podcast is drstuspodcast.com, and you can find it right on Apple Podcasts like yours or uh, on Spotify or any of those other podcast places. It's Dr. Stu's podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing it since 2013. So Fantastic. I was an early podcaster. Right. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Dr. Stu. So glad to have you here and share with us. Gosh, there's so many alternatives out there for women, family, and uh, and just great information. Thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome. I would. My last thing I would say is for any woman who's pregnant, who doesn't really have a significant medical problem, before you make a decision about who you're going to use as a practitioner, consult a midwife, all right? You get a different viewpoint. It may not be for you, but at least you'll understand which, uh, that there's a different choice out there so that if you choose to go with the obstetric model, that you made a choice not because you thought it was the only model or you were coerced. It's because you wanted it, and that's fine, and that's absolutely fine. There, there's a very good indication for women who want to go to the hospital, who want to possibly have an epidural, who, you know, who feels safer there. Absolutely fine. We're not against that. All right. Um, but this, but this, for those of, who work in the hospital who think that the home birth model is so crazy, that's because they don't know. And you always sort of fear what you don't understand. That is correct. Whatever you don't know, you, you want to veer away from. And I really appreciate your candid information and such it's a great conversation that we've got to continue to have. And um, thank you again. For more information, go to birthinginstincts.com. And for Dr. Stu's podcast.com, you can get a lot of information there because he has, I believe, weekly um, weekly shows. Thanks so much. Okay, gosh, I know you've learned a great deal, really great, valuable information. So do share the show with your loved ones. It can definitely change their life for the better. And please subscribe if you haven't already, so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. If you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. My contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there, live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.